You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thanks for making us your first listen and subscribing and following wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, today we're joined by Dane Brugler. We're going to get into it with the author of The Beast over at The Athletic. Great draft guide. I've been consuming it for a full decade, going back to 2012. Dane has great insights, 288 pages worth of draft guide content, getting into guys you haven't heard of and guys you have. We'll talk about some of those guys with Dane Brugler, including where the Bengals might find their best fit in the first round and more. So let's get into our conversation with Dane Brugler. Dane, let's dive right into day one of this mock draft, or of the NFL draft in 2022, specifically the end of the first round where the Bengals pick, not accustomed to picking this late in the first round. In fact, this is the latest the Bengals have ever picked, of course, with the expansions over the years. You've recently mocked Tyler Linderbaum to the Bengals, and it seems to me that there's a lot of trending smoke or rumor that the NFL sees him as a day two guy, but... You like the fit there. Who are some of the other players you see as good fits for the Bengals at 31? Yeah, you know, the case of Linderbaum, I don't think it's um, – it's almost like Kyle Hamilton in the top 10. Like a lot of teams like him, but to draft a unique safety in the top 10, just not every team's going to be on board with that. And with Tyler Linderbaum, I think every team likes Tyler Linderbaum. But there's going to be a lot of teams that aren't interested in drafting a center only with – sub 32 inch arms in the first round. And so it's, it's just one of those things where you have to be able to look past one thing or two things. And then everything else is just off the charts. And with Linderbaum, it's that lack of length. It's not even so much the six two two ninety six. It's It's just more of uh, just having that lack of length. When you're going up against a defensive tag, you're going up against Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma. Who's got 35 and a half inch arms. I mean, you're at an immediate disadvantage in terms of him reaching your chest and being able to create uh, create movement at the point of attack. And, you know, obviously a guy like Linderbaum, uh, he, it's not like he's always been long-armed and now he's got shorter arms. I mean, he's, that's all, all he knows how to do. And so he understands how to leverage that and how to anchor and use uh, the biomechanics of the way he's built to uh, combat whatever defenders throw at him. But obviously in the NFL – it's much tougher to do that. And so in pass protection, there are some of those question marks, but he has the ability to be an elite level uh, run blocker. And, and I don't know. I, I just, it felt, it felt wrong, not including him in the first round. And I think the Bengals absolutely should be interested there at 31. I think they are. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he fell to the second round and then it's going to be interesting. Uh, you got the, the jets have two picks early in the second round. A few other teams could be a fit, especially with, uh, you know, uh, with his own scheme. So, Linderbaum's going to be really interesting. There, there's definitely a chance we're still talking about him uh, Friday as we go into day two of the draft. Uh, if it's not Linderbaum, I, I think that the most popular uh, pick uh, would be uh, a corner. Uh, you know, it, it, but is there a corner that's going to be there? 
that fits what the Bengals want and is worth worthy of that pick. I think it's fair to assume Ahmad Gardner, Trent McDuffie, Derek Stingley, those three corners off the board. And then, okay, who's left? And do the Bengals believe those guys are worthy of that pick? Andrew Booth from Clemson uh, is my fourth-ranked corner. The injury stuff is, is something that has been an issue. Um, and, you know, is not be able to work out before the draft, uh, you know, the, the groin, the double hernia surgery, that could very well knock him into day two. Uh, do the Bengals like Kyler Gordon from Washington enough to take him there? Uh, what about Kyra Elam from Florida? So I think that the – the, the corner options are interesting, and there's a chance both those guys could be off the board uh, by 31. So there's a chance that corner could be wiped out there. And then uh, if they don't go one of those two positions, I think you're looking at, uh, and let's just say they don't trade out, and it's just not a, a feasible option for them. Uh, you know, defensive line, you, you can't really, I mean, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, but you can't really go wrong with another edge rusher, add him to the mix, add him to the rotation. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Logan Hall. That, that's, that's been one of my guys this year. I actually like him as an edge defender, but for the Bengals, being able to be a three technique, being able to also give you that inside-outside versatility, that makes Logan Hall an intriguing possibility there at 31 as well. So uh, to me, those are kind of the main options there as we're kind of going. We don't know how the first 30 picks are going to uh, turn out, obviously, but as we go into this final week before the draft, those are kind of the the three areas where I could see them uh, addressing with that pick. Dane, let's dive into the cornerbacks a little bit more. And you obviously mentioned fit. Is Andrew Booth a fit? Because I know a lot of our listeners are are looking at him. They brought him in uh, for a top thirty visit. How does he fit in in Lou Anarumo's defense? And are one of these other guys? You, you mentioned Gordon. You mentioned Elam. Do the, do they make more sense for the Bengals based on their history? Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's what we're trying to figure out is just where their preference is going to be. Because I think, you know, all these guys have played both man and zone, but obviously they're maybe a little bit better in one area than the other. And I think that's especially true with Booth and, and with Elam. I think they're better man-to-man corners. That's where they feel more comfortable. Uh, there are times when you watch Booth and it just the spacing's a little bit off. He's not as comfortable in zone. Um, you know, I mean, but he's... He can play off. I mean, he he has that downfield, uh, that explosive downhill mentality where he's going to make plays underneath. He has the recovery speed where he can make up a, a step here or there. So I think he can, you know, grow and develop. And I think that's part of what the the Bengals try to figure out is just, you know, how far away is he to being a guy you trust uh, in, in any situation. Uh, and so with Booth, that that's that's kind of the book on him where with Elam, same type of deal. He's, he's a bigger guy. He's six, one and a half, 190 pounds, excellent speed, four, three speed. Uh, but another guy that likes to be physical and man to man. And at the top of his routes where that's where they could be a little bit of separation uh, in zone that that's where there's a little bit of separation. And so you have to be comfortable with that. If you draft an Elam at that point in the draft, Gordon, I think is more, because they ran so much of just everything from cover four to, uh, you know, just strict, like, hey, let's bump and run, let's bail, let's, let's, I mean, they did everything in that secondary. That, that That's what they really, uh, why we really appreciate Washington corners is because they ask him to do everything. And, you know, Trent McDuffie, talking to him, going through, I mean, he, he's one of the smartest DBs I've ever talked to. And, and Kyler Gordon, while I don't think he sees the field necessarily the same way as uh, Trent McDuffie, I don't think he processes quite the same way. I, I don't think he's deficient in those areas. I think that uh, him, his time in that Washington scheme has only helped him. 
And it, it's it's going to help him wherever wherever he goes, man, zone, whatever situation. I think Kyler Gordon would be well equipped. Do you wish he was a little bit faster? Yeah, the four five two, not ideal for a first round corner. Uh, but you do love the the short area stuff. Obviously, the three cone, the short shuttle are awesome. Um, there, there's a lot to like about Kyler Gordon. I, I have a second round grade on him myself. But you know, cornerback, who would be surprised if Gordon went in the first round? I mean, it, that would make some sense for some teams. We'll get back to our interview with Dane Brugler of The Athletic, but I have to tell you about AG1 Athletic Greens. If you're not taking AG1, first off, stop what you're doing. Well, actually, continue listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. But you need to get Athletic Greens in your life because if you're like me, you don't love veggies, but you're trying to be healthy. And AG1 is something you can take every single morning and you're going to get up to 70 or 75 high quality vitamins. You're going to get minerals. You're going to get whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adapto greens all in one simple shake. All you do is take the powder, you dump it in eight ounces of water. I only use eight. I know some people use 12. I use eight. Shake that bad boy up and boom you are healthier. So make sure you check them out. And, and the best part is it doesn't matter if you're on the keto diet, if you're paleo, if you're vegan, if you're dairy-free, if you're gluten-free, they have you covered. It fits all diets. So check them out right now at athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. It is easy. And right now as a special bonus, they're going to give you one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D, which I also take every single day and five free travel packs, which I'm going to use on the road during the 2022 NFL season. All you have to do is visit, visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're also brought to you today by Bet Online, your number one sp- source for all your betting stats and sports info. The Bengals' odds to make the playoffs went from not making the playoffs last year at minus 550 to being one of the teams that are expected to make the playoffs, favored to make the playoffs, of course, coming off their Super Bowl run. You can bet on the Bengals' playoff futures, minus 130, by the way, to make the playoffs in 2022 at Bet Online. You can find all the latest sports developments, league news, and, hey, the basketball playoffs are going. James is... I'm not sure if you're upset or happy with the results so far, but well, that's on the Bet Online website available for you to bet on. Bet Online will be your continued sport source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Go check it out. The website is great no matter where you're accessing it. Bet Online is where the game starts. It's it's interesting because you'll find out how much teams value that long speed versus how good he is underneath. And the the long speed is really where it shows up. He had a good 10-yard, yeah. good enough, I would say, 10-yard split. And it's really when you get out to the 40s where that that speed started showing up. And then he didn't run it as pro day, which is interesting. I, I do think that the corner conversation is going to be fascinating because there's so many guys that could go from the 20s down to the top of the second round. Speaking of, reading Peter King's Football Morning in America on Monday morning, some interesting and kind of contradictory stuff about trading and and trading back and the way the teams are getting aggressive and packaging stuff together. And also another source for Peter King saying that teams might not get as much as they want trading back. I, I don't necessarily see the Bengals trading out of the first round altogether. 
But at the same time, there's a scenario that, that wouldn't shock me. Have you heard much about what's going on with, with projected movement at the end of the first round, or is it just too early to really talk about it? You know, it's tough because so much depends on how the first 20 picks play out. You know, it's, you know, where, where's the run on quarterbacks go? Um, you know, we're, we're going to see surprises. I mean, this is going to be, I, I feel like maybe we say this a lot this time of year, but the first round is going to be very unpredictable. I mean, la- last year I thought we had a pretty good feel for how it was going to play out with the quarterbacks going top 15, uh, edge rushers at the bottom of the first round. Uh, you know, w- there weren't that many substantial surprises in last year's first round this year is going to be the total opposite where where's that first quarterback come off the board uh and when's that run start is there a quarterback you know how many quarterbacks go in the top 20 so is there a quarterback that a team would be interested in trading up for whether that's a a desmond ritter or a sam howell or a matt corral you know it's it's anybody's guess because it's uh, there's so many conflicting opinions about these quarterbacks out there uh, there is zero consensus. Um, and then we also know, okay, I mean, you, you kind of framed it with corner, and I think that's a, that's a good way to do it because, uh, you know, we, we talked about those three guys that are probably top 20 picks, but then, you know, every, we know every team needs corners. And so we're going to see some movement for a Kyrie Elam or a Booth or a Kyler Gordon. Will those guys get pushed up a little bit? And uh, so I, I, I think it's too early where, you know, I've heard any specifics or anything like that. But I do think teams are ready to be aggressive. Uh, you know, you take a team like the Jets, for example. They've got two picks in the top 10, and then they have two picks in the early second round. I would not be surprised. You package, I think it's like 35 and 38, go up to 25 and get your guy if you see him. I, if, if you have a first-round grade on a player who slips a little bit, go get your guy. Um, so I think we're going to we're gonna see that quite a bit where uh, teams are going to look to be aggressive. And, you know, I think that mentality, we talk about it all, all about being aggressive on the football field, you know, and going forward on fourth down and, you know, th- that conversation. Why would that not carry over to the draft as well? Um, and, and I think there's a certain philosophy of, you know, the more picks you have, the better hit rate, you know, that you're going to have, a better chance of, of finding good players. I think that that makes sense. Um, you know, none of us are – there's no scouting genius involved here in terms of the secret sauce of, you know, what's going to, you know, I know better than anybody else, what's going to make a good player. But I, I do think that uh, it, you have to, you know, we put all, pour all these resources into scouting for a reason. And if you give a guy a first round grade and he slips a little bit, then what would you rather have? Just using the Jets, for example, would you rather have uh, two first round players and then two second round players, or would you rather have, uh, three first-round players, uh, according to your uh, uh, draft uh, draft board and how it fits your roster. So, the the trading conversations it's it, it evolves every year. It's really interesting, and this year I think even more so than than past years will be even more interesting because boards from team to team are just so wildly different. Dane, let's uh, look at that day two spot that the Bengals are in, and it's it is unique as Jake mentioned at the top. They're drafting at the end of the round, and they're used to drafting at the beginning of the round, and we're used to covering that. So a pick in the 60s, well, that's the third round to us, including mm-hmm. last year when we were talking about it. Now it's it's the second round, 63rd overall. What is the most likely position groups or guys that you think could be there in that range that makes sense for the Bengals? 
Um, well, I think that we're going to see uh, edge rushers in every single point in the draft. Uh, it's the strongest position this year, and I don't really see a, a deep drop-off until you get to you know sixth, seventh round. Uh, every point in the draft, you're going to feel comfortable with somebody that's going to be on the board. Uh, you know, at least someone, you know, late second, you're still going to feel comfortable with, uh, some of the guys, some of the names that could be available, um, corner possibly, uh, you know, in my mock draft, my seven round mock, I had the Bengals going Cam Taylor Britt in the second round. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, day two picks. I know I, I'm a little higher on them than, than, than most, I think, but I, I know there's several people around the league that are very, very high on Cam Taylor Britt, uh, 5'11", 200 pounds, run, runs in the four threes. Uh, you know, has safety experience, has an offensive background. Um, the physical traits are really, really enticing uh, with Cam Taylor Britt. And so I think there's a lot you could do with him and his competitive nature and what he brings to the field. So I think he would be someone that would make sense in that range. Wide receiver, um, yeah, I don't know. The Bengals aren't really, uh, you know, chomping at the bit to add another receiver. But I think if they, let's just say the Bengals want to add another pass catcher in the draft, to me, I think there's a drop off after the first three rounds, um, and maybe that's uh, something where they see the value in second or third round. Maybe that's something they they would go after, whether it be a slot receiver or or, or whoever. So you know, receiver is interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I think that defensive uh, defensive line as a whole. Uh, you know, we talked about the edge rushers. Defensive tackle is kind of hit or miss throughout the draft where. We're going to see a few guys uh, go in the first round, a few guys go in the second round. Um, They'll be sprinkled throughout in every single round. I don't think it's something that uh, is – I wouldn't call it a strong position, but I wouldn't call it a weak position either. So uh, I I think it really just, you know, go position by position, and each one kind of has its strengths at different points in the draft. You talked about the variability of boards around the league, around the public, or or the the experts like yourself and and others have put together their own – their own draft evaluations. How does that, I guess, impact teams where there's all this uncertainty? Does it lead to some of that trade aggression that you talked about? Because, you know, we we went through a draft simulator yesterday. And obviously mm-hmm. these simulators are crazy. And I'm, I'm curious to get your general take on simulators as a person that does, you know, his own massive 300-page draft guide. But, you know, we drafted Cam Taylor Britt once in the third round, we got Logan Hall in the second round, Perry and Winfrey in the second round. Is this variance that you could see happening with some of these guys falling a little bit further than expected? Or is it going to, I mean, I guess for guys to be picked surprisingly early, somebody else necessarily must fall. You think there's going to be a lot of that this year on day two? I wouldn't say a lot, but I, I definitely think that if, if there's going to be that this year is the year to, where we could see it. Um yeah, just because there is so many differing opinions on on one player to the next, uh, and that doesn't even. I mean, every year we're going to have some level of that because you know one team looks at one player with injury concerns and they're out. Another team looks at them and says, "Yeah, not a problem for us." Same thing with character. Uh, you know, Bengals traditionally have been a, a, a franchise that are maybe have a little more appetite for risk. Uh, when it comes to to character guys, they do their due diligence, and uh, you know they, you know, not afraid to take a risk with some of these guys. And you know, other teams, they're going to be out. So I think that, and then we have that every year. And then on top of that, this year you have a, a, a draft where, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson might be the number one overall pick, and in last year's draft, he might not have gone top ten. 
um, where, you know, it's just, we still have good players, uh, but in the top half of the first round, which is, you know, we usually reserve those for the blue chippers, the elite guys, the, you know, last year, the Jamar Chases, the Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, those those types of players, this year, we just don't have a ton of those guys, uh, at least that are thought of in that same conversation. So because of that, the, the middle class, you know, the upper class is thin, the middle class is robust. And so because of that, a, yeah, a team's 21st best player might be the 50th best player for another team. And it could be scheme related. It could be, uh, you know, any it, it, a lot of different reasons, but it could be as simple as we just, you know, these, these guys are so, there's so many of these guys in the middle class that teams will break them up differently based on what they see. So yeah, it, it's a really interesting, interesting year. And I, I would not be surprised if we, if we have some surprises where, uh, you know, a guy has been mocked at a certain point all along and then he he falls and or a guy goes much earlier than expected uh, because that's how a team views him. So, yeah, more so than than previous years, because we see it every year, but more so than 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 most years. Uh, there, there's a more uh, more possibility for volatility, uh, especially once we get to day two. The only thing more reliable than Dane Brugler's draft guide might be rockauto.com. They've been in the business for more than two decades, and, well, they keep you on the road for less. Don't spend 30 50 even 100% more for car parts that you can find at rockauto.com from the comfort of your own home and save money while you do it. They're convenient. And whether it's something as simple as a cabin air filter, maybe it's a little more important, maybe a little more crucial for the do-it-yourselfers out there. Maybe you need a fuel pump. Maybe you need something for your day woo. I know I like to keep my day woo on the road with rockauto.com. So whether you drive a Mercedes-Benz, whether you drive a Kia, day woo, or anything in between, Rock Auto has you covered. So check them out right now at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the carts your part, all the parts your car. Man, I almost got all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Bengals have done a, a ton of homework on the tight end position. It makes a, a lot of sense with CJ Uzama in New York, Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal. Where's the sweet spot to draft a tight end in this draft? Because it doesn't seem like anyone expects one to go in round one. Yeah. But where should the Bengals consider taking one, and, and where do you think the uh, the top guys will go off the board? Well, I think it depends on where they have these guys. Uh, where's their top guy? Uh, do they believe, you know, let's just say Trey McBride is their top-ranked tight end this year. Do they have a second-round grade on McBride? Uh, do they have, like, how high do they think of of him? Because in my opinion, I I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a tight end in the top 50. And there's a chance, at least a chance, that zero tight ends are off the board by the time the Bengals pick in the second round. Uh, it's just it, it, I, I, we don't have that level of player this year. Now we're going to see, uh, you know, four or five go in that late second to, to third round, and then fourth and fifth round are going to be loaded with tight ends. So uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where the the Bengals, depending on what their what their grades are on these early guys, you know, the Trey McBrides, the Greg Dolchik. Um, I'm a big Jeremy Ruckert fan from Ohio State, uh, Jelani Woods uh, out of Virginia. Where, where uh, the Bengals have the, their grades on these guys, that's going to you know, dictate where they might consider them because it, they could easily 
bypass these guys in the second or third round, wait till round four, uh, and, and go after uh, a James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech, a Daniel Bellinger, San Diego State, uh, Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, once we get to the fourth, fifth round, there's going to be a lot of these guys that are going to still be available that you think can come in. And they might not have a super high ceiling, uh, but I think you feel like they can come in and help you <clears throat> possibly as early as their rookie season. So um, I, I think I think I had six six tight ends uh, in my uh, in my top one or my top uh, second, third rounds. Yeah. In, in my seven round mock, I had six tight ends go, but, uh, what's so only one in the second round and then five in round three. So round three might be that sweet spot. If you're looking for a guy that's got some upside, that's, you feel like can come in, compete for immediate reps. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that round three area might be where you're, you're, you're best, especially because where the Bengals are picking that later portion of uh, round three might be that your best bet in terms of adding someone that uh, you could build around, but also going to help you uh, help your offense from, from day one. Or you could see that, well, if they're going to be five tight ends picked in the third round, we better make sure we get our guy at the end of the second round. And I think that that's the new territory for the Bengals this year with a guy like Logan Hall, who probably doesn't make it to 63 in most scenarios. Mm-hmm. If they like him a lot, and they can't trade back. Do you use the the thirty first pick there instead? Really quick, wanted to hit on uh, Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end. You and Nate Tice both, I think, really like Jeremy Ruckert. I think Nate has Ruckert as his tight end one. Is there a lot of projection there with Ruckert? I wouldn't say a lot. I think it's just he's unproven, and so there's it's a projection um, uh, because he did not see a ton of targets in that Ohio State offense. And right. you know, you spend two seconds watching Ohio State's offense, and you you see why their receivers are. Uh, you know, ridiculous. And so, uh, but he was on the field quite a bit. I mean, he played a lot of football. Um, and, and when he was targeted, good things usually happened. Uh, six, five and a half, 250, uh, north of 250 pounds. Now, I think you asked me in January, I would have told you that I think Jeremy Ruckert is going to be a second round pick. Um, and you better get him in the early part of second round uh, because I, I don't think he's going to last very long. He gets, he injures his foot at the senior bowl knocks him out of the combine, knocks him out of the pro day, has really knocked him out of the pre-draft process. And because of that, he he might tumble a little bit, but still I can't see him falling that far when you have that type of ability. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, my draft guide, one of the best parts of it is kind of learning about these guys, their backgrounds. A guy like Jeremy Rucker, he was a big uh, soccer goalie growing up, like through high school. And that's, he, he credits, uh, you know, using his hands as a goalie, as developing his hands uh, as a big man, as a target uh, on the football field. So uh, you see that concentration. You see, uh, you know, his, his ability to high point, catch a ball away from his body, uh, and then just make those natural adjustments and then do something after the catch. Uh, and so I think he's a very strong candidate to be a better pro player than anything we saw in college. I have two quick special teams questions for you, and I don't know how how quick the second one would be, but the first one is about the punter that every Bengals fan seems to keep mentioning to us because Evan McPherson worked out, and mm. and Jake hates it. But uh, anyways, Matareza is he as advertised, and should the Bengals consider using a pick on him early day three? I mean, he's got a powerful leg. There's no way around that. Uh, I mean, he set all these FBS records uh, in terms of most sixty yard kicks, most fifty yard kicks. Um, I, I mean, he's he's all it's a hidden advantage with him too is 
he was also their field goal kicker. I mean, people don't talk about that a lot. Uh, but, you know, if, ever, if something, if your kicker gets, if McPherson goes down with an injury mid-game, you've got a guy that can legit go out there and kick you 40, 50-yard field goals. And, you know, there's at least a, a decent chance that it's going to be successful. So, um, you know, that's a hidden advantage with him. But as a punter, it's definitely a conversation about what's the appropriate value for drafting one. I know some teams that view Areza as almost like a defensive weapon because he's changing field position. He's changing. Uh, and so it, it, you almost you have to look at him as a defender. And so um, I, I think there's a good chance he comes off the board early day three. And, you know, some team's going to look at him and say, you know, value be damned. We'll, we'll, we feel like this is a guy that's going to help us, uh, you know, help impact the scoreboard. So it'll be interesting. But I will say this is a year, if you need a tight end, it's a good year to, to need one because we're going to see, I think I had three tight ends drafted in my seven-round mock between uh, Stout from Penn State and Camarda from Georgia. So uh, if, if you don't go Ariza uh, in, the, in the fourth, you could easily get one of these other punters in the fifth or sixth and, and still feel like you're coming out uh, with a big upgrade at the position. Let's keep the special teams theme rolling. The Bengals have said they want to add a, a returner, specifically a punt returner, that mm. uh, brings a little electricity to their special teams unit. Is there anyone on day three or any guys on day three that – uh, stand out to you as potential options for them? Uh, I think two immediately come to mind. Um, first, uh, Valus Jones from from Tennessee, older player. He's going to be a 25 year old rookie. Uh, I mean, he caught passes from Sam Darnold uh, back in his day. He was part part of the same recruiting class as Michael Pittman, that, wow. so he goes back. Uh, transferred to Tennessee the past two years. Uh, led the SEC in kick return yards. He was a SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. Uh, he has uh, multiple kick returns. I think it's two kick return touchdowns over his career. Uh, he averaged uh, it, it was uh, it, north of uh, thirty yards. Uh, so I mean, he, he's a guy that fits that fits the mold. And then Marcus Jones out of Houston, who, in my opinion, is a second round talent um, based off of just watching him at corner and what he gives you as a returner. But because he's got shoulder issues, he had to get both shoulders fixed after the season. So we didn't see him at the senior bowl. We didn't see him uh, at the combine except for interviews. Um, you do worry about the durability because this is a, not a big guy. He's 5'8", 175. So you worry about the durability with Marcus Jones, but because of that, he might slip out of day two and into day three. If he's available in day three, I, as long as my doctors are okay with it, I'm jumping all over that, that value. Um, not only what it gives you on defense as a, as a nickel corner, he had 42 passes defended, 10 interceptions over his career. But he also had nine uh, return touchdowns over his career, uh, six kickoff returns, uh, three punts. So, I mean, that, that ties an NFL record. So he's got experience doing it. Uh, anybody who watched the SMU game, uh, they they know what he can do uh, with that kick return touchdown he had in the final minutes to win that game. So those two players immediately stand out uh, as guys that probably would be available. Probably have to get him in the fourth round, uh, both these guys, Bayless Jones uh, and, and Marcus Jones. But – they could immediately uh, upgrade your uh, your return game, especially in the in the uh, uh, kickoff returns. Marcus Jones has been a guy that's been fun to watch in the pre-draft process. My last question for you, Damon. We talk to people that do as much work as you do, looking at so many players. Who are your favorite guys that maybe don't get discussed as much by others, or or favorite guys late in the process that are, are near and dear to your heart? who aren't getting as much attention from others. 
Um, well, I think Logan Hall was that guy for me throughout the season. Just wasn't being talked about a lot. Um, and then I think I think that changed a little bit the Senior Bowl and Combine when people uh, learned more about him. Um, you know, he's that guy. Cam Taylor Britt um, fits that. Um, Demari Mathis from Pitt corner, uh, a little undersized, but uh, is twitched up coming from that scheme that it can do a lot of things for you. So uh, both those guys fit. I like Tanner Connor late Idaho State uh, wide receiver who is still rough around the edges as a uh, as a route runner. But you know when you're that size, you know six four two twenty and can run a four four. Uh, there's something to work with. So um, you know I, I really every position there's guys that I, I really like late uh, a corner. Uh, I, I really like Bryce Watts from UMass uh, Virginia Tech North Carolina transfer. Kind of going under the radar, uh, you know, he's not a guy that's being talked about quite a bit, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him come off the board uh, as early as early day, early day three, you know, fourth, fifth round. I think he has that type of ability, six foot, 187, ran a 4.40 in the 40. Uh, my highest graded non-combine uh, prospect this year is Eric Johnson from Missouri State. Uh, anybody that was at the Senior Bowl or NFL PA game know about him, how uh, how great he looked during one-on-ones, power, quickness, uh, really, really outstanding. So, uh, those, those are a few of the players that won't be drafted early, but I, I still really like what they uh, what they have to offer and their chances in the league. That was Dame Brugler from The Athletic on all things NFL draft, including some of his favorite players there at the end. So if you're curious to learn more about Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh, one of Dane's favorite later round corners in this draft, go check out The Beast, his 2022 draft guide and all of his work on The Athletic you'll get 288 pages of detailed analysis and background on all the players in the 2022 NFL draft. Can't thank Dane enough for his time. We know he's crazy busy at this time of year leading up to the draft. We've got more guests coming your way the rest of this week on Locked on Bengals. Joe Goodberry and Bengals underscore Sands. Mike Santagata will be joining us as we continue with our preparation and march toward the 2022 NFL Draft. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024.